Hi, I'm Kenzie. And I'm Emily. And this is The Claw Crypt. Crack open a cold one with us. While we discuss everything true crime, mysteries, conspiracies, and much more. Are you down with the sickness? No, I just got over being sick last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? I get down with the sickness? When we recorded uh, The Hook, I had taken Dayquil before, just so I wasn't like super raspy and like ah, sounding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still laugh about the first time we did Mary Fagan and we're both just like dead. And all you hear is just, <coughs> like, and then dogs jingling around everywhere, and it's super icky. That was just a whole disaster. It was. Okay, so we're going to talk about a couple named Paul and Carla. They're not very good people, so don't think it's like, oh, how romantic and stuff like that. It's, it's not like that. No, no, no. Okay, so... <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde oh, went out oh, with a no. bang. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Had to put that in there. Quite a few bangs, actually. Yes. <laughs> Lots of them. But this couple is, like, pretty fucked up. Like, probably the most fucked up couple I've heard of in a long time. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Just a little disclaimer. Pretty much this whole episode is going to involve a lot of rape. Disclaimer? So. I feel like a trigger warning. I thought it was a disclaimer. A disclaimer is like, hey, we're going to tell you that uh, oh, or like okay. this shirt isn't as pink as it looks on the screen kind of a thing. Okay, fine. Well, just a little trigger warning. This whole episode is going to be about rape. Like a lot of it. Like It, it, it is the episode pretty much, <laughs> unfortunately. Sad, but... Yeah. Not going into, like, a bunch of detail with them, but it is mentioning quite a bit. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so we're going to talk about Carla first. She was, oh, Carla Holmka is what she was born as, which her last name later changes to Bernardo. 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 That's kind of fancy. He's not. Bougie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She was born on May 4th, 1970 in Port Credit, Ontario, Canada. So this is all with our northern buddies. <laughs> hey! Yes. Do you think... Well, yeah. They're like, oh! <laughs> oh, excuse me, let me just go squeeze right past ya. <laughs> Her parents were Carl and Dorothy. She was oldest of three daughters, so all they had was daughters. Two of her younger sisters were Lori and Tammy. Her father was a drunk and would often fight with Dorothy. Carla, being the oldest, would comfort her sisters, but she had asthma, so whenever the abuse was, like, kind of bad and she started to freak out a little bit, she would need to go to the hospital. So she'd be, like, trying to comfort her siblings, but then be like, <gasps> and, like, Sad. have an asthma attack. Yeah, so, like, not the greatest childhood. <laughs> her friends described her as being bossy and controlling, which we'll definitely see later on. 
She loved animals. She worked at a pet pet shop in high school. Well, that's unique. Yeah, and then she became a vet assistant. Uh, she eventually stole drugs from this job, but again, we'll talk about that later. Oh! Yes. Even though she claimed she loved animals, she once threw a hamster out of a window to its death. <gasps> so, yeah, she doesn't what? love animals. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know hamsters have She's weird lying. deaths, but <laughs> that's, that's not normal. No. Like, just out of a window. Just like, wee. Like, what, did you think it was going to fucking fly? I love animals. Animal abuse makes me mad. (laughs) That, like, breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. Like, even though it's, like, just a hamster, but, like, hamsters die all the fucking time for, like, from vacuum cleaners. People think they're dead, but they're really just hibernating because it got too cold. And they get buried alive. Did you know if you put a turtle in a bowl of water and shove it in the fridge, it hibernates? I did not. (laughs) But okay. My ex did that with his turtles sometimes. (laughs) What the fuck? It's an actual thing, though. If you put them in a bowl of water and you put them in the fridge, they hibernate. So Carla had a boyfriend in high school that introduced her to drugs and sex. Soon after, she started having fantasies about death. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, that's that. When she was 17, she met Paul Bernardo, the one we're going to be talking about, at a restaurant on October 17th, 1987. They were both going to a convention in Toronto. What kind of convention? I don't know. Some kind of convention. (laughs) You know, unrelated, but I hate it when people mix up Canadian and Minnesotan accents and, like, traits. We're pretty similar, though. We're similar, but there's a difference. Like, I'll see on TikTok people, like, posting about Minnesotans, and it's all, like, Canadian, eh? Kind of an accent. We don't do that. Yeah, I was like, we don't say A, we say O. (laughs) (laughs) Get it right! It drives me bonkers. Anyways. (laughs) Okay, so they ended up having sex the same day they went and realized they shared those same sadomasochism desires, I guess. Oh. The creepy, just... There was a lot there. But now we're going to talk about Paul. They were like two peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. So Paul was born on August 27th, 1964 in Toronto. His father, Kenneth, came from a rich family that owned a tile and marble company. Hmm. So like... I thought it was like marbles. No, it's like a type of flying. Yeah. Yeah, then I realized I was probably talking about, like, marble countertops. Nah, he made marbles. Yeah, I was like, he tiles created, and marbles, that's cool. jacks. <laughs> um, his mother, Marilyn, was adopted by a good family of lawyers. She wanted to be with a man she loved, but her family did not approve, so she married Kenneth. Because Kenneth came from a rich family. After having two kids with Kenneth, she had an affair with her old lover, her high school sweetheart that we just talked about, and ended up getting pregnant. Kenneth knew about this and signed the birth certificate anyway, so he was the legal Legal. father of Paul Bernardo. But not the biological father. Yes. Got it. Kenneth was charged with child molestation in... 
and 17. <laughs> in 1975. <laughs> in 1975. Please don't tell me it was his son. Mm, uh, no. It was a different incident, but he also did things with his daughter. Oh, yes. Kenneth was also abusive, and Marilyn became super depressed and just kind of shut down. She lived in the basement of the family home and just kind of stopped talking to friends and family and, like, hid down there pretty much. Sad. Yes. In his book, Lethal Marriage, Nick Prawn describes young Bernardo as, quote, He was always happy, a young boy who smiled a lot, and he was so cute with his dimpled good looks and sweet smile that many of the mothers just wanted to pinch him on the cheeks whenever they saw him. He was the perfect child they all wanted, polite, well-mannered, doing good in school, so sweet in his Boy Scout uniform. Which is not at all what he's like. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds too perfect of a picture. Um, when Paul was 16, he got into an argument with his mom, which ended in her telling him that Kenneth really wasn't his father. Oh. Paul lost his shit and was screaming at her, saying she is a slob and a whore. <laughs> Bro, if anything, you'd think you'd be thankful. I'd be like, thank God this psychopath, yeah. rapist bro isn't my dad. Like, nope, he was mad. Um, Paul became obsessed with books that were about how to get, like, rich and famous, kind of. Same. (laughs) He he took what he learned in the books and used it to pick up girls. Huh? Yeah, because, like, the whole idea of getting rich and famous, oh, people have to like you. So it's kind of like taking that part of the book and he used it to pick up girls. But these girls weren't, like, doing the job for him because he wanted much more scary things that most people aren't into. They're like, ooh, this guy's a little bit off. Yeah. Reasonable. Okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit about the early part of their relationship. So they met on October 17th, 1987. Um, Carla was 17 and Paul was 23. Um, Paul at the time was an accountant, but he didn't have that job for long. We'll talk about his next job later. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. They they said they had an immediate sexual attraction that was only amplified when they realized they shared the same fantasies. Paul proposed on December 24th of that same year, so a little over two months later. Oh, that's soon. Mm Mm-hmm. Carla would do anything to keep Paul happy. We'll get into those in a second. Um, I don't like where this is going already. Yeah. It gets twisty a little bit. Very much twisty. I mean, I like twisty, but I'm nervous. (laughs) A series of rapes happened in Scarsborough, Canada. Scarsborough. Scarsborough. Somewhere in Canada. (laughs) Yes. A town in Canada. It's really hard to say because it's got a lot of O's in it. Uh, I'm not going to give you all the details, but I'm going to do like a little timeline of some of the rapes. Just like a quick one. Just a little picture of what was going on. Okay. The ones I'm talking about 
for right now are from 1987 to 1990. And then we'll talk about more Damn. later. That's only like three years. Yeah. He gets away with it for a lot more than three years, too. Great. They do, I guess. Okay, so on May 4th of 1987, Paul raped a 21-year-old girl right in front of her own home. On May 14th, a 19-year-old girl was raped in her parents' backyard, lasting more than an hour. On July 27th, he tried to rape a girl, but she fought back and ran off. On December 23rd, the day before he proposed, he raped a 15-year-old, lasting more than an hour. After this, police told young girls to stay home after dark and avoid bus stops. On April 18th of 1988, so the next year, uh, he raped a 17-year-old girl. On May 25th, he almost got caught when an undercover cop was at the bus stop and noticed Paul hiding under a tree. But he Under a tree? Under a tree, like a pine tree. Oh. He was under it, like, looking for girls, and the person noticed him, and he ran off. Yep. Weird. I just can't imagine being the undercover cop. Be like, bro, why are you hiding in that tree? Yeah. What are you up to? May 30th, he raped a 17-year-old girl 25 miles away from Scarsboro. So, like, trying to throw off the investigation a little bit. Mm-hmm. On October 4th, he tried to rape, but he was stabbed two times. He got 12 stitches. <laughs> Good for that girl. <laughs> Go her. On November 16th, he raped an 18-year-old in her backyard. On November 17th, police made a task force to catch him. So he, I see a theme here that he really likes those, like, 15 through, like, 18-year-old girls. Mm-hmm. Yep. On December 27th, he was almost caught again when he attempted to rape a girl, but a guy chased him off. How does he go through this so many times and not get caught? These are just the quick ones that there's not a lot to go into on them. But there's more that I'm going to go over after all of these. Oh my gosh. <laughs> on June 20th of 1989, so the next year, Paul attempted to rape, but the girl fought him off. When she screamed, it alerted, like neighbors and people around and everyone was looking for him but he managed to like not get found how i don't know (laughs) like how on august 15th paul raped a girl that he had been stalking in her apartment window he waited for her to get home and this one lasted for more than two hours stalking also becomes a theme with some of them. Like, I think he gets obsessed about some girls and he, like, fantasizes about them, but then others are just like, oh, she's attractive. And it's, like, less, like, impulse. Yeah. Where the other ones are kind of, like, planned out. He's like, damn, I'm interested. Like, peeping Tom mode. I gotta see what's going on with her. Yep. That's creepy. On November 21st, it was a 15-year-old. December 22nd, he raped a 19-year-old in the stairwell of her apartment parking garage. My God. Yeah. 
on May 26th of 1990, he raped a 19-year-old. This girl remembered his face, and the police put it, like, the sketch they made from it into, like, the database that, like, ran similar faces. Yeah. But they didn't get anything from that. What the fuck? Yeah. In July, he was interrogated by police for looking like the man in the sketch, which we'll get to that in a second. Okay. But... I'm assuming he doesn't get caught, though. Not yet. <laughs> From May until September of 1990, police ran more than 130 samples of people trying to catch this rapist. None of them matched. So they were really trying to find this guy. And somehow he's just slipping away right by the tip of their fingers. So t- two different people told them, like, hey, you should look into Paul. Because this Paul guy kind of looks like the guy in the sketch. And, like, you know, hey, you guys really want to find this guy, you should look into Paul. Like, hey, evidence, here, look. And the police <laughs> Do it. Nah. <laughs> so one of them was in June, who was a banker that recognized him from the sketch. So she didn't know him. He or she didn't know him personally. But was, like, familiar with him? Yeah. Like, okay. knew the face and was like, hmm. And he probably got, like, ID or his bank information so she knew the name mm-hmm. um the second one came from a lady named tina who was married to a brother of a good friend of paul's so she ran into him a few times and i'm gonna talk about this brother in a second okay tina said that he had been called back in december of 1987 but was never actually interrogated by police which is when he was brought in like i said earlier but they they didn't even talk to him they just like brought him in and then just like let him go yeah like i think they forgot about him or something what the fuck yeah but this brother's name was alex and he said that paul was not shy when it came to his sex life and would often talk about women (laughs) rough non-consensual anal sex Oh. Being, like, something he wanted to do. Alex spoke in a, what they said is a weird way. And I guess this made police think he must have been lying or that he was not, like, a reliable witness. Like... I mean, it was probably a really awkward thing to talk about. Yeah. I'd probably be weird about it, too. Like, it'd be a hard thing to give to a police, especially when you know the guy personally. Yeah, and even if someone's, like, talking, like, weird as a cop, you should at least still look into it, especially if this is the second person that's brought up his name. But they must not have been keeping track of his name because... Man, police are fucking stupid. Yeah, so eventually, on November 20th, 1990, police interviewed Paul. Paul's like, I understand why you have to talk to me. Like, I do kind of resemble the sketch. Like, he admitted, like, I kind of look like the guy in the sketch. So he's, like, being super understanding. Paul offered his DNA for testing. Police thought there was no way a polite, well-educated, nice young man could have done this. So they didn't run the test because they thought it would a waste of money oh, after well, he's offering obviously it's not him uh-huh. oh and they had fuck. already run over 130 different tests so this pisses me off uh-huh <sighs> we're only on page three. Oh, great 
We're going to go back to their relationship. Well, their story, I guess, is... I don't even know if I'd consider this a relationship. Of course, Carla was aware of the rapes happening in the area, and she knew Paul was being looked into. So Paul, being the lover boy that he is, asked her to meet him in St. Catharines, which is like... On the map, I think it was like less, a little less than an hour away from Scarsboro. There he reassured her that he was not the rapist. Uh, I'm guessing she thought this would have been considered cheating, so she was probably like mad, yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? You're not and what, am I not this? good enough? Like, yeah. But uh, she's not super innocent for long, so we'll get to that in a second. Shortly after, on February 1st of 1991, Paul moved to St. Catherine, and the rapes in Scarsboro stopped. Hmm. A little coincidental, if you ask me. Yep. But on April 6, 1991, Paul would commit his 12th rape. And this was a 14-year-old. Oh, man. Yeah, we're going to talk about her. Uh, she's only known as Jane Doe. If you really want to figure out who it is, you can, but... She's a minor, though, so... Like, not anymore. Well, yeah, but, but... she wanted to be kept private, so I'm just going to call her Jane because that's what she wanted to be known as. If they don't want to be known, I'm not going to say their names. Yeah, respect. Mm-hmm. So Carla had a friend that she met while working at the pet shop a few years before because now she's, like, gone through her whole college thing. Mm-hmm. And she worked at the pet shop when she was in high school. This friend was 15, the Jane Doe we just talked about. And on June 7th, 1991, Carla invited Jane Doe out for a girls' night. Yeah. They were supposed to go shopping and then to dinner. That's a little weird, you know, some, like, random, like, 18, 19-year-old person just, like, inviting some 14, 15-year-old girl to go out and have a girls' day. And you don't even know who she is, really. That's exactly why my next little bullet point is the 15-year-old probably felt somewhat cool that her older friend is taking her out. And she was even, like, Carla gave her drinks and stuff, too, even though she wasn't 21 yet, I don't think. I mean, like, the kind of same thing happened with us in, like, middle school and stuff and we were hanging out with older people we're yeah. like oh we're so cool we have older friends and yeah. then you go and think about it now and it's like why were these like 19 20 year olds hanging out with these like 13 14 year olds like that's weird see now that we're like that age i couldn't it's imagine. creepy like i couldn't yeah. hang out with people younger than me but back then i was like oh they're 21 they'll just buy me liquor you yeah, know whatever it's well, like me hanging out with my niece like I mean, it's my niece. She's family, so it makes sense. Like, that's normal. Mm -hmm. But if she wasn't my niece, like, that would be really fucking weird. Yeah, you know, like, if you were like, oh, we're going to go hang out with my friend Jane. She's 15. I'd be like, Emily, why? since when do you have a 15-year-old friend? Yeah, <laughs> it's just weird. Like, you don't hang out with children when you're an adult like that. That's just weird. Yeah. So, uh, the drinks she was given were drugged. It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yep. And Jane passed out. After she had passed out, Carla called Paul and said she had an early wedding present for him. Oh. Jane was a virgin and Carla was not. So, Carla was like, here you go, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> what? I. The f so she's jealous, 
of all these other people, but then she's like, here, let me gift you this, like, 15-year-old version. I think it's because she wasn't told of the rapes. Like, she wasn't, he wasn't honest with her. So she's kind of... So that probably made her mad. Like, oh, you're lying about it? That makes it cheating. But if I'm in this with you and I know about it, then you're fine. You do you. Like, that's... I mean, I can understand, like... Okay, not from, like, a rapey point, but, like, people who are just like, hey, if you're seeing other people as long as I know about it, I'm fine with it. You know, you do you, but, like, Open couple. Yes, open relationships or, like, polyamorous relationships, like... Whatever, you do you, but, like, I don't know. Personally, I could never do that because I'm a jealous son of a bitch. And I'm like, you even look in another woman's direction or she looks at you the wrong way. Yep. Mm. Like, the nice person in me wants to be like, yeah, there's enough love to go around, but then the actual me knows, like, I would would gut someone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, I mean, like, it's different to be just, like, friends with another female. You know, like, that's whatever as long as I know who she is. And, like, I... Because females are fucking dirty. Like, as long as I know who she is and that she doesn't have evil intentions. Yeah. You know, then whatever. Fine. But, like, if I don't know who she is, I'm gonna ask questions. I'm gonna be like, who the fuck is this bitch? Why is she, like... Why is she trying to talk to you? Mm -hmm. Who is she? I wanna know. Or if she's, like... If there's, like, deleted messages, or he's hiding his phone, or not telling you that he has a female friend. Then there's red That's different, yeah. Because it's like, why are you hiding it if you're just friends? After Carla brought Jane to Paul, Paul videotaped Carla raping the unconscious girl before... Carla videotaped him. Videotaping will also become a theme in this. Interesting. The girl woke up the next day sick and confused. She thought it was just because it was her first time drinking. She came back again in December, but left upset because they were pressuring her to have sex. Oh. So she had no idea. She thought that's just what happened from drinking. Until the videotapes were found. Oh my god. Yeah. That is horrible. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they could do that and invite her back. There was another thing saying that she was invited back in August and in December, but I couldn't find anything about the August time, so I don't know what happened that time. Maybe she declined. Mm-hmm. Maybe they like invited her and she was like, no. Yeah, I'm busy type of a thing. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about Tammy Holmka. This is Carla's sister. In 1990, so we're gonna we're going back a little bit because this was before Jane. Okay. Some of them are out of order, but I put them in a way that it's like it makes not sense. all shocking at once because they escalate really quickly, and it's a lot to take in. Great. <laughs> so we're going back to 1990. Paul and Carla were still staying at. Carla's family home. That's where they lived, pretty much. So he was spending a lot of time at the house and with the family. And the family seemed to really like him. Things got a little bit weird once he was thought to be a little bit flirty with Carla's sisters, but they pretty much just chalked it up to him being polite. And that was it. I mean, I guess I can understand that. Like, sometimes I 
can mistake people for being polite when they're really flirting. Mm-hmm. I am a very oblivious person, so it tends to happen. Well, and it was probably like they thought he was being polite, and then after they found out more about him, they're probably like, oh my god. Maybe he wasn't just being yeah. polite. Yeah. Um, sometime, either around this time or before this time, I don't exactly know, Paul lost his accountant job, and he made money by smuggling cigarettes across the border for money. Obviously, the family did not know this. Wait, so cigarettes were illegal? No. He was, um, they were either cheaper in Canada than the U.S. He was bringing them from Canada to sell in the U.S. Or they were cheaper in the U.S. than Canada and he was buying them in the U.S. to sell in Canada. But that's illegal. You can't bring tobacco across country lines with intent to sell. Makes sense. Okay. That's no. (laughs) You can't sell tobacco without a certain license, I think. Like, yeah, you, you no, can't you just... Can't, you can't just up yeah. and sell a pack of cigarettes like that. Though Tammy was the youngest sister at the time she was 15, and Paul became obsessed with her. He would go into her room at night and masturbate while she was asleep. That's fucking weird. He would also watch her through her bedroom window, and um, she had blinds on her window, But Carla was like, oh my gosh, Paul wants to see her. And these blinds are up. So she accidentally broke her sister's blinds so that she couldn't close her windows. What the fuck? Her sister. Her. I was going to say, Carla's (laughs) okay with this? Yep. Encouraging it by the sounds of it. What the fuck? Um, Paul also took Tammy across the border, the U.S. border to what he called the beer party where he later said they got drunk and made out but I don't know if Tammy was like blackout and didn't remember or if maybe she didn't want to say anything because this is her sister's fiance at this time yeah because they're not quite married yet what the fuck Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to like process it Okay, so now that we have their creepy background, on July 24th, 1990, Paul and Carla gave Tammy spaghetti that had been laced with Valium. What the fuck? A drug that Carla got from her vet assistant job. (sighs) Paul raped Tammy as Carla watched for the whole summer. He gave Tammy and her friends food and drinks with white film and white flecks on them. So I don't know how many times he did this, but I'm gonna say there's probably a lot. A few, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? How do they not notice, like, hey, all of a sudden, like, I don't remember shit, and, like, not indicate that something was going on. So this one, this thing started July 24th, 1990. This next thing I'm going to talk about, it didn't stop in between. I know it didn't stop. You'll see what I mean in a second. Is from December of 1991. So a year and four months-ish later. Yep. So December of 1991, Carla stole an anesthetic from her work. Um, I think it's called Holothane. I think it's how you say it. (laughs) 
On the 23rd, she gave sleeping pills to Tammy in a rum and eggnog cocktail. Their parents had gone to sleep and Tammy wanted to stay up late with her sister and Paul and how old drink was, with them. How old was Tammy again? She would have been 16-ish. So I could see her wanting to be like, oh, I'm cool hanging out with my sister and she lets me drink. Yeah, so... It sounds like they had some sort of, like, Christmas party is what I heard some places say, but not all of them, so I didn't put that in there. And then their parents went to bed, and she was like, oh, I'm just going to stay up and, like, watch a movie with Paul and Carla, and that's it. And then they started drinking, and she's probably like, haha, my sister's so cool. She's giving me alcohol. Yep, and she has no idea about the, the whole year before that that she was probably being drugged and raped. I was going to say she probably was too really like too young to actually comprehend Mm -hmm. what's going on. Yeah. So they put sleeping pills in this rum and egg cocktail. Rum and eggnog cocktail. (laughs) Rum and egg. Yeah. (laughs) Yum. And they waited for her to pass out. And once she passed out from the sleeping pills, they placed a washcloth that was soaked in that holothane we just talked about that she got from her job. Yeah. They put that over her nose and mouth. It's an anesthetic, so it basically just kept her asleep was their plan. Like, they just wanted to keep her out. Make sure she didn't wake up. Mm -hmm. Carla wanted to, quote, give Tammy's virginity to Bernardo for Christmas, but Paul was upset because he knew Tammy was not a virgin. Apparently, according to him. I don't know, but according to him, that's what he was upset about. I just want to know how he would know that. I don't know. Um, probably because he was raping her. Oh, yeah, true. Good no. point. <laughs> that, yeah. And so Carla must not have known that... How wouldn't she have known, though? I thought she was a part she, Yeah, she gave him the spaghetti. Maybe Carla said that, but then accidentally like was like, ha-ha, blonde moment. I don't know. She was a blonde. But... <laughs> <laughs> Carla... And Paul videotaped themselves undressing and raping her in the basement. It's just so weird. And that's her sister. Mm-hmm. But Tammy started to vomit and her pulse got super weak. They tried to revive her. Um, didn't work. Then they cleaned up the mess and moved Tammy to her bedroom that was also in the basement. They put her clothes back on her and then they called 911. Tammy passed away at St. Catherine's Hospital later that night. Oh, my God. Yep. Even though Paul and Carla were noticed doing weird things at that time of night, like laundry and vacuuming in the middle of the night. Yeah, that's a little weird. And Tammy having chemical burns on her face. That's the picture I was going to show you. It's not, like, bloody or anything like that. She's in the hospital from when she's still alive. But Oh, my God. Yeah, so there's, like, a big chemical burn on, like, her ear to her nose and then a few around her mouth. Um, He would think he'd raise some questions about that. The coroner believed their story and her cause of death was ruled to be accidental due to choking on her own vomit. How does that look like choking on your own vomit? I don't know. It's also, I mean, like, stomach acids could have maybe cause some sort of like redness but that is a lot like that is excessive a lot a lot yeah it's like bright red i'm not posting a picture of that but it's like it looks like she has blood on her face that's how dark red it is the the story that 
they told was Carla gave Tammy a few drinks, trying to be a fun sister, but Tammy started puking. That's when they called 911. They later found the videos of Carla dressed in Tammy's clothes, pretending to be her in some sort of weird, sick role play, role play for Paul. That's just wrong. Yep. Soon after, they moved out on their own. Um, they told Carla and Tammy's parents that it was so that they could cope with Tammy's death and they were going to be married soon, so they needed their own space. Well, that's not really why they wanted to move out on their own. I can imagine so. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to talk about Leslie Mahaffey. On June 15th, 1991, Paul was driving between Toronto and St. Catharines to steal license plates. What? Yeah, he, was, he did all sorts of weird shit, I guess. When he saw 14-year-old Leslie. She had just gotten home from a funeral, but missed her curfew and was locked out of her home. Now, it sounds like she was a little bit of a troublemaker, and her parents knew she was doing something she shouldn't have been doing after the funeral. Not that that makes what Paul did okay, but it explains why the door was locked. Like, oh, if you're not home by this time, you're going to have to find somewhere else to sleep because my door locks at 11 o'clock or something like that. Like, Yeah. It's something parents say sometimes. I don't know. I would never say that to my kid, but I've heard of friends saying that, like, oh, I'm going to be locked out if I'm not home by this time. Oh, my God, I would feel horrible Yeah, being her parent. Paul saw Leslie, and obviously she's a 14-year-old, and he told her that he was going to go break into some homes, and she could come with him. She just asked if he had any cigarettes. She didn't want to break into homes. (laughs) She's just like, I just want some nicotine, bro. Yep, and when Paul was like, oh, yeah, I got cigarettes, and walked up to her, he blindfolded her and forced her into the car. Then he called Carla and told her he found a new playmate, is what he called it. Aw, what the fuck? And, oh, this is before Tammy. They took the girl back to the Holmka family home. They videotaped themselves sexually assaulting and raping her. Paul said, quote, you're doing a good job, Leslie. A damned good job. The next two hours are going to determine what I do with you. Right now, you're scoring perfect. What the fuck? Bob Marley and David Bowie were playing in the background. This is just all sorts of fucking wrong. Bob Marley? In the background when you're violently raping someone like that is weird and david bowie okay so leslie in the video that they found told paul that her blindfold was slipping i don't know if she told him to stay on his good side like when he said something about a score you're scoring perfect she's like oh maybe if my blindfold stays on i can get out of this right um but paul fixed her blindfold and tied her hands with, um, like, twine. Oh, I'm guessing that's why she said something. I don't know why else she would say it. I mean, she was probably just trying to, like, I don't know, like, if her blindfold was slipping or whatever and he caught it and she didn't say anything, like, who's to tell what he's gonna do about that? Yeah. So it's like, if you're in a survival situation like that, like, you're more than likely gonna be you know, doing whatever you can to save yourself from yeah anything worse than what's happening. Yeah, and maybe she didn't want to see it, you know? 
I wouldn't want to see that either. Yeah. Be like, nah, just keep me blindfolded. So the next morning, two different things were said to happen. One from Paul, one from Carla. The first one I'm going to say is from Paul. He said that Carla gave Leslie a deadly dose of Holocene, I think is how you say it. Pretty sure it's Holocene. Ow, 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 I'm stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a medication to treat insomnia. Oh, so like a, um, kind of like an anesthesia in a way, but yep. like not exactly. Like an extreme sleeping pill. Yeah. Um, uh, like hardcore melatonin. A prescription sleeping medication. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing came from Carla. Carla said that Paul just strangled her. So you kind of have like he said, she said type of a thing going on here, which will happen. hearsay. <laughs> 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 but that you'll see that a few more times in this, so Objection, hearsay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they put her body into the basement and after the family had left, they dismembered her using Paul's grandfather's saw. What the fuck? Yeah, like a family heirloom basically. And he's like, oh, I'm going to cut up a body with this. Yeah, let me just use Grandpa's sock. Then Paul went to a hardware store and bought lots of cement. He kept the receipts that would later be used in his trial. Um, They took the body parts, put them into baggies with the cement, and Carla took multiple trips to a nearby lake to dump Leslie's dismembered cemented body. The fuck? Uh Uh-huh. Somehow... at night, right? Yeah. I'd be really concerned if somebody came into my hardware well, no, store. the next morning. He, oh. The next morning he went to the hardware I store. Was, I was going to say, I'd be raising a lot of questions if someone came in in like the middle of the night and bought a shitload of cement from my <laughs> hardware store. I would have called the police and been like, this is a little sus. Like, who buys this much cement in the middle of the night? I don't Ooh. know how. They must have had a lot of air in the cement or something, but the bags did not stay at the bottom of the lake and were actually washed up near the shore where a father and his son who were fishing on June 29th, 1921, only 18 days after she had been killed, saw them. It just looked like cement, so they called it, and the kid didn't see anything, Um, but they proved through dental records that it was Leslie. That would be kind of traumatizing, though. Just, like, out fishing with your kid and all of a sudden, like, the cement washes up and you, like, hear on, later on that, like, there was a dead body in that cement. Like, I'd never I go fishing there know. again. I mean, yeah, that's traumatizing. But, like, how didn't they stay at the bottom of the lake? Because it sounds like she dumped them kind of from, like, a bridge or something that went over the lake. And it washed from there, which I'm assuming is somewhat near the middle of the lake, to the shore. Maybe the cement didn't, like... Well, because there's, like, body in the cement, so maybe there was, like, air pockets in the cement. So I was saying, they must not have, like, mixed it good, or I don't know. Different types of cement, too. Like, there's, like, the fine cement and then the cement with rocks. I'm not a cement expert, but whatever reason, the cement did not stay at the bottom of the lake. I'm curious. I'm going to search. Does cement float? No. Yes. yes. 
Surprisingly, a boat that is made of concrete will actually float. As long as the boat is designed properly, it will still float, oh. even if the hull is made of concrete. When you're that's different, you're... though. So maybe they just didn't shape it right, and so that's how it floated? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they put it in, like, a grocery bag, like a Walmart bag. Here we go. Cement is in colloidal form of powder, which floats due to the surface tension of water. Simple. The density of cement ranges from 1,000 to 1,300 kilograms. Very strictly, cement must not float or float at balance, yet the tiny particles float due to surface tension rather than full quantity of cement by buoyancy. That's powder cement before you mix it with water. But, okay, so... It sounds like the, um, so like they had like a Walmart baggie, pretty much, and they put some cement in, put in, or maybe it was a garbage bag. I'm guessing it had to be bigger. So it's probably a garbage bag. bag. They put in cement, then whatever part of the body, and then more cement. So if that first layer of cement was like, not very dense and then maybe dried slightly before the yeah. second layer with the body part in there would create an air pocket and maybe with like the waves and stuff somehow that was enough to get it up on shore i'm thankful it did but i just don't understand the physics it's, it's <laughs> gotta be like the density of the cement like yeah. something to do with how they mix the cement and how they cemented it that made it float that's insane, mm-hmm. really, to think about, honestly. It's, there is a good chance that she would have stayed at the bottom of the lake and no one would have noticed if to they didn't fuck up the did. cement somehow. Yeah. Damn. Kristen French was 15. We're talking about her next. Almost a year later, on April 16th, 1992, Paul and Carla were looking for their next victim. It was the day before Good Friday, and they oh. saw Kristen. Chris, why do you say Christian? <laughs> Kristen walking past her Catholic high school. Aww. So Good Friday, Catholic high school. Her name's Kristen. Things are already not sounding good. No. They parked the car in the parking lot about a block away from where they saw her. And they got out of the car with a map and made it look like they were lost. Kristen was more than willing to help. And while she was looking at the map, Paul forced her into the car with the gun. So she was, like, distracted looking at the map, trying to be a good person and help. And Paul's like, get in the car. Once in the car, Carla held her down by her hair. Ow. So that she wasn't seeing in, like, their windows or anything. Yeah. What they did not know was Kristen was always home on time because it was her job to take care of the family dog. Every day it took her about 15 minutes to walk home from school, so the parents called police right away. Like yeah. They were like, it's not like her to be more than 15 minutes late. Like, that's weird. Police immediately got a search party going on and soon learned that lots of people saw her get kidnapped and they even found a shoe in the parking lot that she was taken from. Oh, man. I mean, like, that's good, but, like, man, why is she gonna get kidnapped? (laughs) Yeah. The town looked over the whole Easter weekend, which, like, that's gonna suck. Yeah. 
Easter Bunny's not coming to visit this year. No. The couple videotaped the rape and abuse like usual and forced her to drink lots of alcohol. The Crown Prosecutor, which, yes, yeah, sounds weird to us, but this is Canada, so it's called the Crown Prosecutor, said Paul was Did planning... Did wear a crown? <laughs> but he said that Paul was planning to kill her all along because she was never blindfolded. Oh. But the last one that was blindfolded was also killed, but her blindfold slipped for a second, so maybe it was just like a They were taking thing. safety precautions for themselves. Yeah, like, I'm, damn, she might have seen us, so now she's got to die. I'm not sure. On April 18th, Caddy, Katie Patrick saw him while he was picking up a pizza. He had been stalking Katie and... We'll talk about her in a little bit. Like, she comes in again at the end. But Katie reported this to police, but there was a mix-up, and they mishandled the report, so no one ever looked into the poll. <sighs> again. Oh, my God. Like the third time this guy gets away. Well, they may have found Kristen in his home that day, if they had just handled everything correctly, which I understand mistakes happen, but, like, this guy's gotten away at least three or four times now, and, like, come on. a job like that, mistakes like that are so, so crucial to things. Like, Mm -hmm. you cannot be fucking up. Right before they left for Easter dinner, Carla said Paul strangled Kristen for seven minutes straight while she watched. But, again, he said, she said type of a thing. Paul said Carla beat her with a rubber mallet after she had tried to escape and that Chris, Kristen got tangled up in the noose that was around her neck and that's how she died. Right after, Carla fixed her hair and headed to dinner. Yeah, we Easter had, dinner. <laughs> we just had a great time killing someone. Let me just go fix up my hair and let's go eat Easter oh dinner. Like a page and a quarter left. Okay, so we're, we're doing good. Later, they cut off her hair and washed her body and dumped her nude in a ditch. They thought, like, police originally thought that they took the hair as, like, a trophy, which is a pretty common thing. Yeah. But Carla said it was to keep them from identifying her, which is really weird because, like, dental records, DNA, all that is a thing. are you dumb? Like, that's not how that works. Now we're talking about other possible victims for a second. Paul and Carla were said to kidnap and rape a girl on January 12th. Uh, Paul raped her while Carla watched. They didn't know her name, and she never came forward, so they just referred to her as the January girl. That's sad. She deserves more than that. At 5.30 a.m. on April 6th, Carla distracted a girl while Paul attacked her. He removed her clothes and, like... He took off her clothes and was like, wait five minutes before you do anything. Like, get dressed or call police so that I can get out of here. This is all, like, stuff that Carla said that has never actually been proven. So it's like... (laughs) Yeah. On June... Or on July 28th, 1991, Paul was stalking a 21-year-old, Sydney Kirshen. Kirshen? 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 Okay, I don't know. Paul was talking 21-year-old Sydney Kirshen. I don't know. Then stopped and started it again. Or he was... 
Yeah, he was stalking Sydney. And he stopped and started again on August 9th. So he, like, took a little bit of a break and then, like, started again in August. So, like, a month later. <sighs> Sydney was angry this time and led Paul to her boyfriend's house. Her boyfriend Where? chased Paul. He took note of the license plate number. He gave it to police. And they found the car in Paul's driveway. But the cop never even knocked on the door or made an official report of it. Why? He's like, oh, I found the car. That's it. Drove off. Like, That's enough. Uh, I, and the, car, the car's here. <laughs> like, I don't know what else he thought he was supposed to do, but I hope he got fired. He better have gotten fucking fired. What the actual hell? On November 30th. 14-year-old Terry Anderson disappeared from the same parking lot they found Christian's shoe. Mm. The one we just talked about. Police said there was no link between the two. What? Terry's body. What? Was found in the same lake as Kristen. Let me guess. No link? The coroner ruled her death, death as drowning due to drinking and LSD. But yeah, they never said it was connected. But that is a little suspicious. There is another, well, she was 14, so obviously the age that Paul and Carla liked. This is like girl raging me. <laughs> disappeared from the same parking lot, found in the same lake, but mm-hmm. no, no way there's a connection. <laughs> no, there's no fucking way. Oh my God. On June 19th, 1990, three weeks after the last Scarsboro rape, yeah, Elizabeth Bain went missing. She told her mom she was going to check the college tennis schedule. Um, her car was found three days later with a lot of blood in it. Police charged her boyfriend, Robert Boltovich, I think is how you say his last name, with second-degree murder. He maintained his innocence, and at his trial, they thought he could have been the rapist. His whole department needs to just get yep. fucking fired and replace them all. He was a he appealed and was released in 2004. By 2008, they knew that it was more than likely Paul, so he was like, "Let's go back to trial." And he was found not guilty and exonerated. Which I mean, that still really fucked up his life, obviously. But yeah, good thing that they like kind of corrected it. They tried, but yeah. like fuck them for not doing their fucking jobs. Yeah. So now we're gonna go back to the Katie Patrick girl that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. March 29th, 1992, Paul stalked Shanna and Katie Patrick. Um, They were sisters. He followed them from the car to their parents' house, but they messed up his license plate number. (sighs) But we know that once she got the right license plate number, it was mishandled, so she she tried twice to get this guy. (gasps) 2006, Paul confessed to the rape of a 15-year-old girl that Anthony Hayne Myrie had already served time for, and he was exonerated. Anthony was exonerated. I was going to say, So two people went to to prison or jail for the rapes that he committed, but yet they couldn't just test his fucking DNA (sighs) the first time. Like, come on. I literally fucking can't with I these people. I hope every single one of these people sued the fuck out of the city. I hope so, I, too. I hope that their lives got fucked mm-hmm. up for fucking up these other people's lives because they couldn't do their goddamn jobs. 
Why are they even the police? Why are they even working in the fucking detective department at this point? Like, they suck. They yep. suck. It's not like this is, like, early 1900s where, like, forensic and, like, police communication wasn't where it is today. This is, like, late 19. It's like 1987, I think it was, to 1990-something. So that's, like, obviously not as advanced as today. Right, but, like, but they still, still had things. Yeah. You had cell phones. And I thought, American police were stupid. Turns out the Canadian police are just the same. Come on, Canada. <laughs> You're supposed to be better than us. Hey, so I'm going to talk a little bit about, like, evidence questioning and some of, like, the aftermath, the type things that happened. I'm just really hoping they got caught in the end. They did. Due <laughs> to there being minors involved, there was a pub- publication ban put in place, so very little of the trial and evidence was released to public, which makes sense. There was a lot of minors involved in, like, yeah, I get that. Paul and Carla were questioned, and Paul even said that he was looked into for the Scarsboro rapes. And when they heard about that, they finally decided to run his DNA sample from about years before. Time, Jesus. Twenty-six so. months later, the DNA was a match, and they placed Paul on twenty-four-seven surveillance. Good. Yep, but all they had was the DNA, so they. Like, without him telling details, um, they really didn't have too much more. Okay, so they put him on 24-hour surveillance um, because besides the DNA, they didn't really have the details, and it's really hard to... I mean, like, he would have gotten convicted, but he probably would have gotten let out if they didn't have the details. Like, concrete evidence yeah. on him. So, <laughs> there was... Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because they found concrete <laughs> So, for a plea bargain, Carla agreed to tell police everything and testify against Paul. I'm going to talk about the plea in a little bit. This is stressing me out. (laughs) Okay, so Carla only agreed to the plea bargain because a few months before that, Paul had beat her so badly that she had to go to her parents' house and they made her go to the hospital. And then she decided... Yeah. So Carla was, like, beaten the heck up by Paul. Damn. And then she went to her parents' house. Parents made her go to the hospital. Hospital was like, girl, you should leave him. Like, mm, you know. Like, you deserve better. Uh-huh. Pain. <laughs> so she went back to her parents' house. And then once cops came up to her and was like, hey, you're married to Paul. What do you know about this? She's like, I will tell you everything for a plea bargain. And, of course, they were like, okay. <laughs> Not going to deny that. Carla was only given 12 years in prison, and Canada was pissed. Um, It was later found out that her attorney, Ken Murray, withheld 17 months of videotapes that had her in them. What? Prosecutors say they would have never done the plea bargain if they had seen those tapes. So she got lucky, because you can't be tried twice. Double Jeopardy. So she, she's out. I have no fucking words right now. Mm-hmm. So he was just, wi- can't he get charged for withholding evidence? He did. 
Okay, good. I was going to say, what the actual fuck? Yep. On September 1st, 1995, Paul was charged with two first-degree murders and two sexual assaults. He was given 25 years, but is labeled as a dangerous offender, so he'll probably never get out. That's like 25 to life in U.S. trial things. Okay. So. Uh, Yeah, I'm assuming that their, like, sentencing is different over there. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's... I don't... I hate saying it, but, like, I would rather Paul be in prison than Carla Mm -hmm. because Paul was, like, the bigger problem of the two. Yeah, Carla just wanted to please Paul, which, I mean, she shouldn't have. She should have reported him right away, but... Yeah, but she still did wrong, Mm -hmm. but, I mean... I don't think she would have done it on her own if Paul wasn't in the picture. Did you hear that? Yeah. Who's dying? Don't know. Future podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Um, no. Carla said that Paul bragged about raping 30 girls when they had only proof of about 15, which is probably why an- another reason that they wanted to do the plea bargain before seeing the videotapes. They were like, oh my gosh, we only know about 15. Like, tell us more. Yeah, Paul had been attacked so many times in prison that he is now in a maximum security prison, spending 23 hours a day in an eight by four foot cell. Good. Fuck Paul. (laughs) Yes, Carla was released on July 4th, 2005. Paul said he never planned to kill the girls. Carla was the one insisting they die because she didn't want to be caught. Objection hearsay. (laughs) Yeah, we don't know. But I'm guessing it was both of them. If I had More to assume, than they probably sat and discussed it and were like, "No, we gotta kill this person, otherwise they're gonna tell on us and we're gonna get caught." And like, mm-hmm. yeah. Another interesting thing is in the home. Once they got like a search warrant and stuff before the trial, police found some of the videotapes, not the ones that were withheld but some of them, and a newspaper clipping from Hawaii, which is where they went for their honeymoon. Newspaper clipping said that a rape had happened in on the same island they were staying on in the same days that their honeymoon was. What a great way to celebrate your wedding. What the fuck? Yeah, so I, just because he still had the newspaper clipping, I'm gonna assume that they're responsible for that. More than likely, because it's like a trophy to him. Yep, and Hawaii and Canada both believe that uh, Paul and Carla were responsible. I mean, they're also in a different country, too, so it's kind of hard to put that. Carla now has three kids. Oh? Yep. Paul is still in prison, but he's trying to get out and appealing every chance he can get. Oh, I'm sure he is. Saying he's, quote, a reformed man. Mm, Right. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't believe it one bit of that. Ah! (laughs) Like, this case is too much. I just want to know who gave Carla kids after all of that. And they're like, yeah, this seems like a great woman to have children with. Like, what? I hope she turned her life around. And I hope she's a great mother. And I hope she's no longer raping people. But I do think she should have spent the rest of her life in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she should have. She should have. But if she's out, I hope she's changed. Yes. (laughs) I'm a changed woman. But what the fuck? And that's on her record, and it was with minors, so I'm assuming if Canada does anything like the U.S., she's not allowed around 
like schools and kids and minors besides so her own. She, I was just say, how does she even have kids then? Like that makes me honestly worry for their safety mm-hmm. because I don't know. It, I just I feel like something like that. You, well, I don't know. I, she got out in what was it? Two thousand five. So our kids are probably still pretty young. Well, Andy was born in 2005. Yeah, but I'm assuming she didn't have kids the second she got out. Like, it probably took her a little bit to find someone and have kids. So they can't be any older than, like, 16, 17. Yeah. They're younger. They're still minors. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, honestly, they're probably around the ages of, like, 13, 12, 13, 14 is my guess. Somewhere in there. Because my guess is that it probably took a couple years or, you know. Or they could even be, like, 9 or 10, but, like. She could be. Some of the stuff I was reading about were, like, recent articles about her and stuff, so. I don't want to put too much information in there because it does say, like, her kids' names and, like, stuff like that. And I just, I don't think they want that, so. Probably not. I'd be embarrassed as hell if that was my mother. Yeah. I hope she, like, at least moved them into a different, like, location than where all this happens so they don't get, like, made fun of in school and stuff. They probably did. Like, what would her parents think after all of this and they suddenly learn that not only did their other daughter and her fiance slash husband kill Tammy, the other daughter, but they I like would disown that child. They did it at least one more time in their basement. Like that is deep. That's a lot to unpack in itself In their right own there. home. Like, I would... I'd disown the fuck out of the child. Me too. I'd be like... Let me Aaron Caffey. Aaron Caffey's dad forgives her. I know. That's and still she baffles me. I don't know how, but yeah. That's Paul and Carla. And, um... What the fuck? Mm-hmm. That's why I said this is the most fucked up couple I have probably ever heard of and hopefully ever will. They're right up with Bonnie and Clyde there. I think Bonnie and Clyde are probably below them. <laughs> I mean, Bonnie and Clyde did a lot of stuff. We'll probably cover them at some point. But kind of seem like angels compared to these two. Yeah. <laughs> like. <sighs> okay, well. Um, I hope you were able to digest this because I'm having some troubles here. I feel constipated with this information. I kind of do need to poop. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wow. Um, Well, if you're still here sticking around for all this um, shit show of a case, Uh um, make sure you follow us on the Instagrams and the Facebooks. And they are at the Claw Crypt or at the Claw Crypt Podcast. If you have any ideas, suggestions, or stories of your own, feel free to email us at at gmail.com or send us a message on the Instagrams or the Facebooks. And yeah. yeah, we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.